welcome to the Lonnie Swain Show podcast. I'm your host, Lonnie Swain. I'm a media veteran, digital content creator, and strategist. My career has required many cross-country relocations from my hometown of New Orleans to Baltimore, St. Louis, Chicago, Dallas, back to New Orleans, and now Miami, Florida. The purpose of this show is to remind you that everyone has to go through something to get somewhere. I lead personal and professional development conversations in hopes of inspiring you to live your best and most authentic lives. And just a reminder, I always love to know what you think about the podcast. So don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Thank you so much for listening. Now let's get into the show. So today on the podcast, I'm super excited to welcome Nikki Novo. She is a Cuban-American best-selling author and intuitive dating coach. Her latest book, The Final Swipe, Heal Your Heart, Find Your Person, and End the Dating Search for Good was listed as the number one dating book in Amazon. A certified hypnotherapist with the International Association of Counselors and Therapists, Theta Healer, and Reiki Healer, Nikki has also been commissioned to speak by organizations like Equinox, Yahoo, Macy's, and others. She has been featured in Marie Claire, NBC, and Telemundo, and I am so happy to have you here on the Lonnie Swain Show. Welcome, Nikki. Hi, thank you so much, Lonnie, for having me. That sounds so, like, legit. Uh, (laughs) You are legit. That is you. I hear people say that all the time. They're like, when you're reading about it, it's like, is that me? Wait a minute. (laughs) I've heard of that before, like being like a tip. Like I've heard since, I don't know who it was, like some personal development person say like, write your, you know, your bio and then Mm -hmm. read it back to yourself. Like that's supposed to make you feel more worthy. Yes, for real. It's like, oh my God, I did all that shit. Like, I yeah. did that? Yes. Like, when? Exactly. And and it's perfect for when you're like having a bad day down on yourself because I don't know how it happens, but we forget in that moment. Like, we're like, yes. oh, I'm, I'm terrible. I haven't done anything all my life. And then you read this back and it's like, wait a minute. Yes. We did do I, something. I find myself often telling myself, you are Nikki fucking Novo. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Whenever I like I'm feeling down or like pathetic and feeling insecure. Absolutely. And we all should do that. Like that needs to be on a t-shirt and a post-it and everything. And just take the middle name out and then you replace it with fucking. That's how you do it. (laughs) Yes, exactly, exactly. And now if someone is not aware of who Nikki fucking Novo is, (laughs) what would you say was the start to where you are today? Because we were talking before we started recording and there were so many things that I learned about you that are not in your bio that I don't know if other people know, like from the very beginning, bring us back. How did how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, it was a bit of a windy road for sure. And um, it's funny because I never thought I would be doing any sort of uh, dating or relationships work. But, you know, like anything, it was sprinkled into like the beginnings of my spiritual awakening, I guess you would say. I was engaged really young um, to my high school sweetheart who was who became a professional baseball player. And I grew up in a house with like two traditional Cuban parents, which are very similar to like 
Jewish parents or like any other, like I think Hispanic culture, you know, like those mm-hmm. parents that just kind of, you know, that there's a lot of um, high expectations. And I was kind of raised to believe that either you leave the house in a white dress or in a casket. Like that was kind of <laughs> get out of my house. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, I guess I'll, I guess I'll like get married. Um, okay. So I got engaged very young and I was about to get married. Now you say and, very uh, young. What, what do you consider very young? Um, that's true. Right. Um, I was, mm-hmm. I was engaged, I believe I was 20, and I, and then I believe that, like, our wedding was scheduled for, like, when I was 21. For, for sure, okay. I remember, the only reason I remember is because I, I remember not being able to legally drink at my engagement party, but my parents... Oh, wow. Party, which I think is <laughs> insane. Like, right. insane. Like, you'll let me get married? To, <laughs> yes. You'll let me make, like, this life choice. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you'll let me get married, but you won't let me drink, which is really interesting. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I had to like basically ask my parents for permission if I could like drink at my engagement party, which yeah, it was ridiculous. So anyway, wow. so I, um, <laughs> yeah, I was like engaged really young. I, um, to, you know, look, he was a great guy and he was like a good Cuban kid, which is, you know, and he was smart and, and, uh, you know, uh, obviously, check, like, check, check. yeah, everything mm-hmm. like he could afford to buy me like a home and, you know, all these things at a really young age and he was a good, good person. But then two months before the wedding, I had a good girlfriend who like moved to New York for her master's degree and I went to go visit her with a few other friends and you know when I was there I was in I remember being in the middle of uh, Rockefeller Center which is like you know very loud and a lot of stuff going on not necessarily like the best place to like hear you and your intuition but I I did and I just heard like very loudly like Nikki you were made for something bigger like you're made for more which I know is like sounds very narcissistic but it was just kind of this idea that like this the life I was choosing was very small Mm -hmm. compared to what was really in my past so, of course, that came with, like, a bunch of, you know, a bunch of, like, uh, emotions and feelings um, that I came yeah. up and I was like, I just got to do this. And my father, like, read it on my face, and um, he was just like, you don't want to get married. I'm like, I don't want to get married. And thankfully, like, he was just so supportive. And, and even though there was, you know, obviously, like, money involved, like, this was, we were two months away from this wedding, which, by the way, like, nothing was ready for because I, you know, was procrastinating everything. <laughs> That ready, I don't even know how that would I would have like shown up in my underwear or something I remember like nothing being ready right. but um but yeah so we called you know like my with the help of my father my mom was like not very happy um she, she just like you know the, the fiance felt, like, that was, probably like, wasn't happy too <laughs> yeah no he was not happy um you know but like I think that you know he's he's married and happy now and thinks that and he is with you know like he deserves that so I um that was really like the beginning I really like learned about myself through my relationships for whatever reason, like, you know, there's a lot of like dating and relationship metaphors for me in my life. It's like how I see things a lot of the time. So I learned a lot about myself like through that process. And then I decided at that point that I wanted to move to LA. I had already been, um, working in the film, you know, TV production and film industry here in Miami and entertainment. I, I had worked for like Telemundo and, and Univision and um, Gloria Stefan's company. And I knew that I wanted to be in that world, but I was kind of limited to whatever was here in Miami. And then, um, but once I was breaking off that wedding, I was like, oh, peace out. Like, you know, I can do, <laughs> you know, I can do whatever I want now. So um, yeah. my father, you know, we'd like packed up my car and we, I drove to, we drove to Los Angeles and he left me there. And um, I, I had a few friends 
and I started working in the film industry because I studied public relations and um, that was just something I didn't know like exactly what I wanted to do in film. I just like, no, I guess I wanted to be around like creative people. I ended up working at Lionsgate first and then I moved to Fox Searchlight, which was really cool. And one of the things that was cool about living in LA for somebody like me um, who grew up, you know, very traditionally and, you know, with those immigrant parents that are, you know, like you're supposed to study something professional and um, you know, just like do something safe, make a good living. What was really cool for me was that in LA, you know, everybody was there with a dream and, you know, and people making money as creatives, which I had never seen before. So when I was there, I like learned that people made money writing and I was like, oh, that's uh-huh. a thing. Um, so once I was there, I, I, you know, after a few years of, of doing PR and working in the film industry, which was really cool, I realized that I, I really wanted to try writing and I wanted to be a writer. So I moved back to Miami, started just my, my journalism career. So like I, I was an editor for several different publications like NBC and MSN. And um, my last full-time job was with Refinery29. And, you know, it's funny because I think when you look at like anybody's past, I really do feel that like our souls kind of set the stage for us to become whatever it is that we're supposed to become, you know? And I, and I look back and I think about like all the, it's kind of a weird path and um, all the training that I had in order to like, you know, like all those things I use today in my, in my business. Um, Right. Even though it's weird how I got here, you know, and I was always dating and like kind of, you know, always trying to find myself through love and like, you know, thinking I needed a man to like feel good about myself. I always had that kind of, I don't know, I liked dating also. And I liked being like in partnership in many ways, but just Mm -hmm. not commitment, but like partnership. So I just learned a lot about myself through that process. So when I moved back to Miami, I, I, you know, I was like, okay, well, I guess it's time to like settle down and um, get serious. So I prayed and I prayed for a boyfriend. And sure enough, mm-hmm. I was like delivered a boyfriend. I was like, great, I have a boyfriend. I was like, look at that, God like returns. Um, right. So, and I thought like, okay, like this is the guy, like I'm going to marry this guy, the whole deal. Um, he even helped me like really step into being a writer. He like helped me launch my blog in 2008 and um, he just like really encouraged me. And uh, right after, like two weeks after he like launched the blog for me and helped me get that started, he broke up with me. And I was like, great. What? Yeah, it was crazy. And I was like, and now I'm like stuck with this blog. <laughs> like it kind uh-huh. of, you know, like it feels like almost like when you're in a relationship and like they leave you with a dog that like you never wanted anyways, you know, like that's right. what it felt like. I was like, I don't even know what to do with this thing. So um, I decided, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go on a bunch of dates and I'm going to write about it and like he's going to read it and he's going to miss me so much and you know and like this is like my big grand plan and he's going to like want me back and I was like okay so that obviously never happened but it was the beginning of my my dating uh, you know and my dating and relationships writing so from there um I didn't even know you know this was like in the beginning in the beginning of blogging and um, I didn't even know like people were reading the blog like I and then I remember like sharing it on Facebook a little bit and just really getting some some traction and, and people like you know responding and asking questions and I was by no means like an expert I was just kind of I was talking about the journey of loving myself through dating because it's like dating is, is just a time that's like really easy to like have a lot of self-hatred and yeah. I, was, I was trying to keep myself accountable like by reflecting and and encouraging myself like through the writing and, and through the process of, and you know and then I ended up relating with a lot of people by accident uh-huh. um through that he like you know through the breakup I I experienced a lot of like need to heal 
which I had kind of started in LA already, but I got into like all the, the woo-woo stuff, you know? And I think that mm-hmm. when you first go through a breakup, like one of the main things you do is like, you go see like a psychic, you know? <laughs> you yeah. Psychic tell me tell what's you. gonna happen is he coming back or not <laughs> <laughs> exactly or like am I gonna marry a doctor like is everything gonna right. be okay you know? mm-hmm. so um, started like visiting psychics and just got really you know beyond what they were telling me just like really interested in like how they were able to do what they did because once you find like a good psychic you're like wow like how does that work you know yeah um, so I got so I did find somebody that I really liked who actually even like predicted my husband who I'm now married to but I was just so interested in like how that that worked and I I just got really into the like into the metaphysics and um because at the time I was an editor at this publication which no longer exists but it was called Daily Candy and um we were able to like the whole job was like find things that were like kind of under the radar and in your area so I used that as an excuse to like try every like weird way of healing and that's really when I started realizing I was like probably, I was like around 24, 25. And that's when I started realizing that I had some sort of intuitive gift. Um, I guess I always had it. I just thought that everybody had that, you know, like I I would have like dead people come and show up, talk to me when I was younger, but I just thought like, oh, everybody like talks to their, um, you know, like dead friends or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But then I realized like, no, it's like not super common. So um, yeah, then I just like, I, you know, I became interested and then by acts, you know, I just, because I really liked it, I I um, ended up kind of um, really practicing it, and I and I think that's that's the whole point. Like when people think about intuitives or mediums or things like that, it's really just yeah, I got interested in it and I really practice it, and I I, yeah. I practice it every day. So obviously, like my muscle is stronger than the average person, but I do believe we can all you know work on that muscle. Yeah, and then, you know at some point, like when you find something like that that you love so much, I think it's hard to do anything else. So I just yeah, um, yeah, you know, I was really like side hustling and speaking and teaching and um, whatever. You know, it took me a while to come out of the spiritual closet, I would say. Like, I didn't necessarily talk about being an intuitive or a medium for a very long time. Um, I was more just, like, self-helpy. Why were you still in the closet about that? You know, I, I don't think it's been, like, until recently that that like that has been more accepted and it's been a little bit trendy you know like but when I started I'm I'm 36 now and I started this like when I was 24 25 you know it was weird I also had like a day job you know I was a full-time editor and it wasn't as accepted as it is right now honestly so I kind of started coming out a little bit earlier than it got trendy but like now it's you know and I don't know I think you know and I question that right like because I think we become creatures of like our circles and mm-hmm. we think that the world looks like our circles. Yeah. <laughs> so like for all I know, perhaps I'm in a circle now that is more accepting of that. But if I would step out and go into another circle, maybe it would just be remind me of like what it looked like when I was 25, you know? So I think mm-hmm. that it was, I can't tell you if it was like my, I think my, my way of explaining it to myself is that it wasn't, as popular, um, uh-huh. but really it could have just been I wasn't ready, you know, mm-hmm. and that's the way I saw the world at the time. That's interesting that you say that because it's like, even though it wasn't commonly acceptable that, that you knew about, I think that there are some people to this day who are still skeptical 
about it. You know, it's more talked about. And I think that when you have a gift and we know that everyone is not going to be supportive, it makes us more insecure about that gift or that talent or whatever, because we feel like we may be met with some sort of controversy Mm -hmm. or um, disbelief or that are going to discourage or or discredit what we have going on. And so I definitely can understand that. And I think just healing period has become more accepted now. Yeah. Because I, even I just agree. in the term of therapy and things like yeah. that, people weren't talking about going to a counselor. That was like taboo mm-hmm. or you have to be crazy if you're doing something like that. So I think that just healing and especially self-healing now more than before is more accepted, but there are still people who don't believe it, who are still stuck in some antiquated ways of thinking or limited belief system that, you know, this is how you do A, B, C, or D, and there's no other way to do it. I I agree. And I I think also, for sure, the rise of like, social media and self-publishing and podcasts and like the ability to that anybody could now have a voice, Mm -hmm. I think, um, really kind of let people come out with like, you know, everything, the rise of, you know, LGBTQ rights and like all that stuff has come from like, because we have, like people are able to talk about it now. And I think that Mm -hmm. um, I came out like at at that same time, like where there was channels, there was bigger conversations about these things rather than Mm -hmm. just like mass, just rather than like the big media players that were controlling. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, you know, in many ways, like this is all, people like, you know, with this kind of, with the work that I do, have always existed, right? It's just that there was no place to commonly like say like, oh, you know, like me too, like, you know, raise my hand, like I do that stuff too. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just so, it really sucks to feel like you can't be yourself. Yeah. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. the worst. And like, listen, and I, and I would love to tell you that, like, I'm 100%, you know, accepting of that part of me, but it's not not always true. You know, like, my mother is, um, like, she, it's kind of like we pretend that I don't do what I do, you know. Um, uh, she, because in the Cuban culture, like, anything witchy like that is um, considered santeria. And, like, that's just, I mean, first of all, it's, like, lowbrow. And mm-hmm. it's also, you know, just not Catholic, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. um, and I, you know, and anything with religion, people are so charged about it. So yes. like politics and religion, like, you know, I uh, channel like past loved ones, but I also channel um, spirit guides and, and angels. And that's all spoken about in the mm-hmm. Bible um, visions and like all the saints and all those and like the Virgin Mary, those are all like visions, you know, so it's all talked yeah. about just, you know, we choose to read that book the way that we want to read it. Um, right. You know, it's like still like a, like a slow come, you know, I have three kids. I have one child at Catholic school. Like, so it's, you know, there's this fear of like, Oh, you know, am I going to affect her friendships? You know, even my, my husband, it's so funny that I never, I guess, I don't know. I never thought like maybe, how my I don't know like the work that I did like how maybe it would affect him I thought Uh more I thought more about my kids and uh one day he was like yeah my friend my friend like 
they send some like group text about like you talk to dead people, but I don't really care because like you're good at it and it's good. <laughs> so, and I was like, like, I never in my wildest and I love his friends, but like, yeah, I get it. Like they're watching you're you're watching your friend's wife on social media talk about like weird stuff. Like, yeah, uh-huh. I, I, you know, I understand. So yeah. We consider what's different to be weird, you know, and I think it's just a matter of finding the people whose weird is similar to yours (laughs) in life, you know, like just find that that's like your real tribe, like when their weird matches yours, you know, and understanding or being curious about it. Not that it's the same weird, but just that, like your husband said, you're good at it, you know, like, Do your thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Just yeah. Embracing that. Good. Like you'll, you're going to attract people that care about the same things that you care about, so you can feel safe yeah. about that. And speaking of people that you attract, some of your clients who come to you for dating coaching dilemmas and how you help them. Is that more of an intuitive dating coaching or is it more based on experiences, things that you've seen over the years? No, that's that's a great question. So I, when I first started my work, I was, like I said, it was more general, like self-helpy and even like general spirituality. I also felt I, ha- I was having these like awful reoccurring dreams for like two years of like just dating. Like I was dating people all over again, even though I was like, mm-hmm. sleeping next to my husband. And um, I was like, God, like, why am I like, why? And then I you know, yeah. finally wrote this last book and it stopped. And I just like, I, you know, my understanding of dating is that for whatever reason has become very transactional. And then all the support that's out there is very, I call it like, it's either sassy, sarcastic, or shameful, uh-huh. um, like shaming, shaming people. I don't know how we lost track that like dating is actually a spiritual journey. Like it is, it is such a sacred time. Like you're basically, whether you be a man or a woman or like whatever it is that you're into, like you're preparing yourself for partnership. Like, I don't know why we lost that. I'm not sure, you know, like how that happened. So I just felt like I was getting really frustrated with the dating information that was out there. Obviously being intuitive, I was attracting tons. Like when when you think about going to a psychic or whatever, it's usually like career money relationships. Yeah. Like those are the questions that I get. So I just, I just saw my clientele being so confused and being um, guided in the wrong place. And I had ideas about like how this dating process like actually comes to be. Like I had ideas as to like how you actually find your partner, which I went through myself. Like obviously when I met my husband, when I met my husband, like that was a, that was a whole journey from the time that like I, you know, broke up with that guy to the time that I met him, that was when I started my healing journey. And a lot of finding my husband, who was like exactly the right partner and fit for me had to do with the work that I did before to get there. And I really do believe that like my soul wanted to do work in that way. And for that reason, like almost finding my partner was like the carrot that was being dangled in front of my face. Uh-huh. Um, like, oh, you want, you want love, like whatever. Okay, fine. But you're gonna have to do this work. Yeah. So I, I just found dating, I just find dating like a really great opportunity to do deep, like inner work. And I think we, when we lose sight of that, like we run into like really big problems and we get really frustrated and we don't find the right people. So the final swipe, that book was actually just kind of burst out of like this um, frustration that people were being misguided and that like we were missing the point. And that kind of 
really niched me because before I was very general and that just kind of niched the work that I did for a while. So yeah, there's definitely like, I mean, there's experience based off my journey and like how, how I got there. And off, you know, of course, like all my clients, but I see it as like a formula, like, which is what the, the final flight the, the book is about. Um, so yes, there's like a general kind of formula, like I, like I, a bit of a um, breaking yourself open, like seeing what's there, you know, kind of, uh, you know, this journey to finding self plus mm-hmm. finding what you need, all that kind of stuff. But then when I work with my clients, it's all intuitive because, you know, like every person is in like a, a different situation. My biggest teaching is about helping people find their own intuition. So like when I work with clients, yes, I'm guiding, but at the same time, I'm kind of encouraging them to hear like the own their own whispers like because they, they'll talk about things that they know is the right stuff for them but they're doubting it right so a lot of my work is teaching because i'm not going to be on that date with you you know or i'm not exactly. going to be like so i need to a lot of it is making them self-sufficient and so what would you say are three major dating concerns or dilemmas that you help clients with Number one, there's so much, and as like the longer you you're single, like the almost the harder it gets because the anxiety like really builds up. Number one, I you know I'm really trying to help people understand like the difference between their anxiety, which is you know AKA fear, and like what their heart is really calling them to do. And I I like to put more emphasis on like what are you curious about, like because a lot of times we meet people. And we quick because we want to like eliminate and move on quickly, we judge, you know, we're like, oh, he's not, you know, he doesn't have this or she doesn't have that. So nope, not like no second date or anything like that. But it's a lot of it is just like out of this anxiety to move it along. And, um, you know, and we're just like kind of judging wherever we think we can judge. And there is a, you know, an art to knowing the difference between judging and, uh, and stand, you know, standing within your standards, of course. So I like to kind of get people comfortable with their anxiety and and not even comfortable, but at least letting them recognize like their own fears and their own anxiety. So a lot of my work is kind of pointing that out to them, um, helping them see, not saying that like, oh, we're supposed to eliminate fear and anxiety, but like helping them see the difference between like their their heart's voice, their soul's voice, and like that fear voice, which is relevant in all areas of life, right? But it's just very loud when it comes to dating. So that's like one of the biggest things. Another thing is, is getting clear on like what they want, because I think a lot of people come in like, Oh, I know exactly what I want. Um, But a lot of times we go off of these exterior things that we don't realize that we're actually looking for a feeling like we are looking to feel a certain way. Like the reason we, you know, even the reason we buy a pair of shoes is because we think that shoe is going to make us feel like a certain way. And it probably will be, it will. Um, But you know, like, kind of realizing that if we can get in contact more with like how we want to feel, it's just a better way of manifesting, of attracting because we um, are not, we're not limited to these like outside, you know, judgmental factors or whatever. So that is definitely a big part of the work. And then the third part is 
it's just really encouraging, you know, like people, people get, a lot of people are comfortable with like doing the quote unquote work, you know, like, okay, so like, cause I talk about like forgiveness and, um, you know, just everything, like getting clear on what you want, but then like actually dating people freak out about, like, you know, they just want to either move it along um, or not. They want to like, know not. instantly, is this my yeah. husband? Is this not, you know, <laughs> like, I don't want to waste yeah. time to get to know the person. Yeah. 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 So like, you know, really helping them through that process, like, like holding, you know, like kind of encouraging them, especially now that we're doing all the things on apps, it's, it gets lonely, like the process. So um, my work also includes a lot of community, like sisterhood. So having the women that I work with, like having them in, in a group so they don't feel like, oh, it's just me. Like I'm the only crazy person in this world. You feel that way. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, like that's, that's part of my, those three things. And does this process include any hypnosis or theta healing or Reiki healing, or is that something totally separate? Yeah, like, so those things that I studied, I always say are kind of like the tools that are in my toolbox. So, for instance, Reiki is the study of like our energy centers and, and chakras. And when I do my my readings, which are like the most popular offering that I have, like the one-on-one sessions, and people think it's bizarre because I do it over the phone, but what I use um, the reason like I can pull up information is because I'm reading energy and I, I, w- I like to say I remembered how to read energy because I, I do feel that I've, I've done this for many lifetimes. But Reiki was like when I learned about energy, I was like, oh, and then I learned because Reiki is really it's actually with your hands and you're healing like the body and um, mm-hmm. you're doing it on this person. But I actually use Reiki. The, the reason it helped me was because I remembered how to read people's energy. So like I read people's auras basically and like their energy centers and that's how I know what's going on with them. And then the hypnosis and the theta healing, which are very similar, just hypnosis is more like science-based and theta is um, more like energy, just more woo-woo, I guess. It's more Uh metaphysical. I actually use those to make like kick-ass guided meditation. So if anybody who works with me knows Uh that I I'm always providing kind of meditations <laughs> and in my courses and things like that. Like those, the, the girls are always like, what are my guided meditations? The, um, a lot of, you know, our answers are all within ourselves. And if we can just be guided to yeah. our, um, to that place, mm-hmm. we can, we can pull up answers for ourselves. So I make guided meditations based on my um, studies. So okay. I use them, but I would say like not maybe in the obvious way. And now you referenced your, classes and courses you have a meet your person master class yeah so I I just like I love um you know I just really enjoy teaching and I decided when I wrote the final swipe it's it's very a lot of like practical exercises and things like that but I wanted to like bring it to life for people that wanted to do it in group and also just add some extra things that I didn't get to add in the book so I created a a course called the master class um it's the final swipe master class and basically we go over some things in the book but also like just we talk a lot about intuition which is like a was a big ad and just helping people like actually go on dates find the dates feel okay like you know kind of tap into themselves like before and after the date like how do I how did I feel like how did that go all that kind of stuff and we do it in in groups so like the ladies are in a I do 10 women at a time I've put it out there for men but like men don't want to working group yet so we'll see when they come along but <laughs> for, now, for now I have men clients but they're always like a little shy 
Yeah, like they don't uh-huh. want to, they, don't, they haven't necessarily, which I get it. <laughs> they haven't necessarily joined the groups yet. Okay. So I do that. And then I also have like a membership. So because the thing about dating is that it brings so much anxiety, you know, it's like in one day you're good and the next day you're, you're feeling awful. So yeah. I have um, a platform where people ask me questions. Um, every Friday I jump live and I'm answering my group, like the, all the women that are in my membership group, I answer their questions like one by one. Um, oh, okay. So like intuitively, yeah, like tapping into them and uh, just going through everybody and helping them along the way. So you've got all the resources. You've got the book, The Final Swipe, which kind of gives you the breakdown of a process in dating and kind of eliminating people or figuring out what you want and and what's going to be a better fit for you. And then you have the coaching that can kind of help people and guide them to make those decisions. And you have the masterclass that can complement the book and the coaching sessions, right? Yes. Now different ways of working. But can I ask you a question? Of course. How was your dating experience? So my dating experience has been crazy um, (laughs) because I started dating someone when I was in college. Well, yeah, when I was in college and that went on for far too long because it was like my first love and there were so many, yeah, so many different things that were indicators from the very beginning that that wasn't a good match and we weren't really compatible in the long term and just you know we wanted different things out of life and whatever but I let that go on for way too long when I say way too long like 12 years off and on (laughs) and so but through that process what I realized was that that was also like my crutch my fallback because Mm -hmm. I was also relocating to different cities and meeting new people was difficult and so you know when I would have bad dating experiences in my new locations I'd be like well you know I'm gonna end up with him anyway so I'll kind of go back to that but it also that's very common that's like super yeah. common. I call those like placeholders. It's kind of uh-huh. like your safety net, you know. It's like yes, you, exactly. Just, like, Even though always... that wasn't safe, that that net right, was not of safe. Course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of I, course. I thought it was, but yeah. um. So, and what I then realized once I finally acknowledged that that relationship was not ever going to be more than what it was. It was a long process of unlearning the ways in which I had perceived what love looked like mm, and what that, that person so did. Good. Yeah. yeah. So that, that was so that was really the hard part because you know that had set the bar for for my expectations, both good, bad, and ugly of this is what a relationship looks like. And so then I had to realize that I was, you know, kind of measuring everybody up against that standard. Yes. And yes. then also assuming the worst in people based on what that experience had pre- presented. Because yes. I feel like, you know, when I talk to people about it now, I feel like I was dating a sociopath. And I didn't realize it <laughs> because when I tell people some of the things, they're like, oh, my God, like, that's not normal. But I had yeah. normalized certain things. Of so course. I had a very jaded lens on men, on dating. 
dating and all of those things. And then just I was dating on a a very shallow, superficial level. I was looking at all of these exterior things that, oh, yeah, they have this job or they have, you know, these looks or this kind of body or they have, you know, all the things seemingly in, you know, a total package, none of which had anything to do with anything that really mattered, like character and integrity and commitment and honesty and, you know, all of the things that I was saying were important to me, but I was not really taking the time to see if those things were present before dating someone. I was, you know, so, and that, it was just a lot of, you know, if I had to summarize it, it was a lot of unlearning and and making sure that what I said I wanted was aligned with what I was actually pursuing. So How after that long... How come to understand that? Sorry. Um, like you sound like you just know, you know, like that, that, that most people don't see that. How'd you do that? Counseling, <laughs> therapy, mm-hmm. um, and just getting tired of doing the same things and getting the same results. So what I was going to say is after that very long, ongoing, off and on again situation, I had a series of very short-term relationships. So it's kind of like after that experience, I said, okay, you know, I let this go on for way too long. So if ever I see any signs that anybody else is going to present similar problems or they don't have what I'm looking for, the minute you sneeze to the left, I'm out of here. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't stick around to see, you know, it was like my tolerance for the bullshit was non-existent. It would be like, Oh, what happened to so-and-so? Yeah, he's gone. You know? And so it just, my friends kind (laughs) of perceived me to be this like no nonsense type person where I don't take any shit. And if you're here today, you could very easily be gone tomorrow. Like don't get attached to anybody because I'm cutting people off left and right. I keep scissors (laughs) in my hands. (laughs) It was was that. And so I think that, you know, sometimes I think back in some people, I probably maybe was a little harsh with, or, you know, kind of what you described of saying like, Oh yeah, people don't have any patience and I had to recognize, and and this is something that I wanted you to talk about because you posted something on your Instagram about, do you want partnership or perfection? And I think that having to figure out which was more important to me because I'm a Virgo and I'm sure, you Mm. know, Virgos are perfectionists. So I want, I I want perfection in everything, Nikki. I don't, not just relationships. So figuring out that I wanted partnership more than perfection in relationships was something that I had to, you know, making a conscious decision about. Um, So, yeah, it's just all of those things and self-discovery. I'm into the woo-woo stuff. You know, I think that um, I'm not claiming that I'm an intuitive just yet, but I've had, you know, I I do some tarot card readings and things like that. And yeah. Um, from my readings, I've predicted things that have come true, or sometimes I just have yeah. a, a strong feeling about something or someone. And then I'm, and a lot of times I don't 
say it out loud and then when it happens I'm like oh my god Mm -hmm. I knew this was gonna happen or whatever so I think it just deepening all of those practices and and things like that just really being honest with myself I think that's that was the first step just being honest with myself like you say you want this but your actions do not reflect that so how do we how do we get that in alignment Mm Yeah, that that's the tricky part. Like the we would call that, like you know, like you know, bringing it all together. It's like what I've learned and like what I do. Like I bring it into like like you said, just one alignment and um, it's like integrating it, you know. And that's that's part of you know, like I, I that doesn't happen right away. It's, it's, it is a process. Mm-hmm. So, and when you're ready, um, a lot of people don't know this about my work, but I um, I also mentor like up and coming intuitives and and spiritual oh. teachers. So I have yeah, I have a. I have a course that it's like my passion project. It's called um, Soul Seeker, where I mend mm-hmm. it's, it's videos, but also um, I teach people how to like do all the woo woo stuff. Like, what is energy? Like, how do you, um, you know, like how do you read it? Like, how do you um, connect? And what are spirit guides and all that kind of stuff? So when you're ready, yeah, <laughs> we'll do that work together. Yeah, sounds like a plan. Yeah. And before I let you go, I would like for you to share um just since we talked about kind of briefly the um partnership over perfection if you had Mm -hmm. to say uh two things that people can do to kind of begin to overcome that because i'm sure i'm not the only person doing that um things that you would suggest because i kind of shared what i did but what would you suggest somebody doing to kind of work through that yeah, you know, it's a great question. I think that, you know, the reason we seek perfection many times is um, we don't realize it, but we, you know, are, are kind of caring about what we what we look like, right? I mean, like, you know, what we appear and, and there's a lot of talk of like the power couple these days, which I have, you know, a problem with, but <laughs> for another time, but the, you know, it's, it's kind of like this idea of like, that my partner is like this um it's almost like and i see women doing it now before we've always known it like men doing it for women as kind of more the um the trophy wife but different like she didn't didn't do much she was just good looking but Mm -hmm. now i see a lot of women doing like kind of like a reverse where they're like bringing in somebody in that makes them look better but that person has to like have all these things in order for me to to seem you know like it's almost like a um, you know, like just buying a house or buying a car. Uh, like I see a lot of people bringing in partners like that for that reason. Yeah. So if you can just, if you catch yourself, and listen, we all do it, you know, because we all, you know, at some level, like want to be accepted and, and care about our appearance and things like that. So if you catch yourself doing that, um, I think it's really important to just kind of tell yourself in that moment, like, you know what? No, like you deserve to choose from a place from your heart that like really makes you feel fulfilled and really feels like a soul connection because you can bring somebody in like that and be like, Oh yeah, like awesome. We're a power couple. And like, we both like, you know, have all these great things going on and blah, blah, blah. And it doesn't mean that they're exclusive. It doesn't mean that like you, if you have somebody like that, then like you don't really have soul. Um, right. If you, you can definitely have both. You know, I, I like to be clear about that. But if you see that it's missing out, like the mushy, like love, like the feeling stuff where you're allowed to um, feel and be soft and all those things. Like, I think you really just have to take a minute and be like, it's not even about perfection. I just really want to give myself the best chance of finding that really deep connection. Whether whatever that looks like, maybe it does look like a person has like all these great things, 
But I don't want to like choose from that place. I want to go a little bit deeper and choose from the, the secondary place. So I think that that is you know just something to think about. And then second, like you know, we look for perfection because um, we're hard on ourselves. You know, like we, yeah. we ourselves like have high standards for ourselves. So I think that if we can just allow, remind ourselves that you know, that we, we are not perfect and that we don't have, we don't have all the answers and that we don't know anything. I think it's a lot of pressure to come from that place. And that's where the anxiety comes from. Like this idea that I'm going to choose wrong, you know, mm-hmm. that I'm going to end up with the wrong person and all these things. I mean, I think that the biggest thing we can ask for in a partnership is um, somebody who's willing to grow and evolve with us because partnership, the idea is that it's going to be for a bit of time, you know, it's going to be a while and who we are today is going to be very different than who we are four days, you know, four years from now. And when we allow ourselves to have space to grow into something, like we don't need to be perfect, right? Like if we're just like, you know what, I just want somebody who's willing to let me grow and let me grow into like whatever it is that I want to be or, or, or I'm being called to be, then there's no pressure on like, what I appear right now, like the, you know, like the, the perfection of the present and that there's no, you know, pressure on the person, like who they are right now, you know, like who we are, you know, because we're going to evolve from that and that's going to change. We just have to be open to giving ourselves space to like grow into and to be messy when we grow and, and all that stuff. So I think it's Amen. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I yeah. agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so very much, Nikki. And if someone's listening and they're like, oh, she's saying everything that I needed to hear. I need to get some intuitive dating coaching. I need to mm-hmm. get the book. I need to find out more. Um, how can they find you? What's the best way to get in touch with you? Thank you. Um, I'm very active on Instagram. So it's just at Nikki Novo, which is N-I-K-K-I-N-O-V, like Victor O. And you can always send me a DM. I'm very uh, responsive. And the book, The Final Swipe, is on Amazon. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Lonnie Swain Show podcast. Please visit my website, LonnieSwain.com, where you can sign up for my monthly newsletter, check out companion blog posts, show notes, and lots of other cool stuff. This podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Buzzsprout, CastBox, Anchor, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and my website. I love and appreciate all of your feedback, so don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with at least three people who you think would enjoy it too or benefit from the information. Until next time, go where you are celebrated and appreciated, not just tolerated. Talk to you soon.